Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. We did what we were supposed to do on Saturday and finished off the Fighting Illini in fine fashion. Now you know what week it is. It's time for our annual interstate clash with Coach Mark D'Antonio and his Spartans. On today's show, my guest is Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from M Live. We'll recap the Illinois game and then look ahead to Saturday's big contest. On Thursday's visitor segment, Will Tiemann from the Spartan Sports Network will join me. Will is the pre- and post-game host on the network and also the longtime radio voice of Spartan basketball. Before we join Nick, my view from Section 17 to get us started. It was another relaxing day in Section 17 on Saturday. It's sort of been nice to sit through six home games and not have to break into a sweat or chew my fingernails off. We took care of business like we were supposed to. Now it's time for a game Michigan fans have circled on the calendar for a long time. We all remember how last year's game ended, so I won't even bring that up again. The focus now is on Saturday and going into East Lansing and playing a reeling Michigan State team. At the beginning of the season, most of us thought this would be a reload year for the Spartans. Instead, it's looking like a rebuilding year. This is not the same team we've watched or played against the last three years. Does that make them any less dangerous? The answer is no. Long before Mark D'Antonio arrived and Michigan State was a down or mediocre team for so long, there were too many of these rivalry games that were closer than they had to be, from a Michigan perspective anyway. The Spartans so often have turned in inspired efforts against very good Michigan teams and even beaten us from time to time. Of course, the last 10 years have been the glory years for the Spartans when it comes to this rivalry. It's hard to imagine, though, this Spartan team being able to patch things up and compete with us on Saturday. But it's a rivalry game, and you never know. We have to bring it early and put these guys away. We cannot let a team like this hang around two or three quarters because you just never know what can happen. So we shall see. FireFan is the name of the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about for weeks now. Soon it will be available in the Google Play and iTunes stores. 
When you play Firefan, you are no longer a spectator, but an active participant with your favorite team. This game puts you right in the action. There is no prep, just pick it up and play. Compete against other fans and earn some great prizes too. For more information or early sign up, email playitfirst at yahoo.com. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com. Find out now why this game will be all the rage in just a few weeks. Michigan State is down, but something tells me they are far from out. We will get their best effort on Saturday in East Lansing. It will be a rockin' stadium, and it will be their Super Bowl. We've seen this before. Nick Baumgartner doesn't think that will matter, though. He thinks if Michigan brings their A game, we win and cover the 18-point spread. He joins me next year on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. on our Michigan game day segment this week as we uh, take a look back at the Illinois game from Saturday and look ahead to the big game in East Lansing on Saturday. Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from M Live. Great to have you join us, Nick. Always good to be with you, Mike. Well, Michigan moves up to number two in the coaches poll this week, Nick, for what that's worth after uh, Ohio State fell to Penn State. Did you get to see any of that game on Saturday night? Uh, I saw the second half, or I saw at least the fourth quarter uh, in kind of the shocker that that was yeah i didn't uh i didn't recognize uh urban meyer's football team i I guess is the best way to put it i mean some of the mistakes and some of the sideline errors that they were making that was pretty wild but uh you know i think the stat was urban meyer's now 20 and 1 on the road at ohio state and the one loss is to james franklin which i would have never guessed in a million years but uh is what it is, and uh, and now that kind of changes a lot of things. Uh, yeah, and uh, they'll have to move forward from that. That was just a, another example of letting a team hang around and then mm-hmm. making some big mistakes down the stretch that you couldn't overcome. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, that fast field goal situation at the end was, yeah, I don't know what to say about that one, but, you know, it seems like every year Ohio State's got one of those games in its, in its uh, bag there where it just, you know, they decide they're just going to not – not do what they normally do, and then and then something happens. But in this case, uh, I'm not sure if that's what happened or if that's what if Ohio State's just not as as good a football team as they've been. And I think that you know right now, anyway. Of course, they've got time to improve. But right now, I think that that's what you could argue is that you know they're just not they're just not that good. I mean, they're good, but they're not you know they're not great, and uh, they've got a lot of time to fix that, of course. But uh, I think that's more of what the problem is. We're going to find out. Well, Nick, before we talk about this Saturday's trip to uh, East Lansing, let's get your thoughts on Saturday's win over Illinois, starting with the play of Wilton Spate. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said after the game it might have been Wilton's best game of the season. Hard to argue that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I thought it was. Um, you know, I, obviously, Illinois is not uh, anywhere near the best team Michigan's going to play this season, but you know, as I've kind of written all year, it doesn't really matter uh, the, the, the degree of difficulty of, with who you're playing 
and comparing, you know, with regard to what Wilson Spate needed to work on, to me that didn't matter because the things he needed to work on were taking open shots, uh, finding the open, you know, receivers, and and just taking the free yards. You know, I mean, there's in any given game if you're going to scheme a playoff, there's going to be something that's open. There's going to be something that's that's there, and especially if you're playing a team that's not very good. And the struggles he was having, you know, he wasn't struggling with hitting deep shots. He wasn't struggling with handling pressure. He wasn't struggling with uh, you know, those types of things you were struggling with just finding open guys or hitting open guys basically. And, and that was something that, I, that, that seemed like he worked a lot on because, you know, every time somebody was open on Saturday against Illinois, he hit him in stride. And that, that's something we hadn't seen consistently enough, but that's ultimately what he needs to do. You know, if they're going to try to load up, uh, against Michigan's run, uh, which they've, which just about everybody's done this season, uh, that means there's going to be open receivers down the field. And if you make those throws, uh, and find them, that loosens everything up, and everything goes usually the way it's gone for Michigan all year. So uh, I thought that was his best game. I thought he looked as comfortable or as confident as he's looked, although confidence really has never been a problem for him. Uh, I think he's trending along quite well. I know people probably still get nervous when the ball leaves his hand, because, and I think a lot of that's just because he hasn't started three seasons. There's still a small sample size. So, uh, But I think he's... So far, I think he's on the right right trajectory. He looks like he's improving. Another guy that looks like he's uh, playing well, Amar Darbo. He just continues to impress. Uh, he makes the easy catches, and he is money when he's covered, isn't he, Nick? Yeah, you know, Jim Arbo said last year at the end of the year that he thought Hugh Chesson had passed Amara, uh, and then Chesson had gotten hurt, and he thought Amara had done enough work to pass Chesson. And I guess, you know, everyone said, well, we'll find out who's the, who's the better receiver, I guess, when the season starts. And right now, uh, there's no question. Um, that it's that it's Amar Darbo. He's been Michigan's best receiver all year. Um, not only not only does he continue to block on the outside, but yeah, like you say, Mike, he makes all those difficult catches in traffic. Uh, he still finds a way to get open. I think he's getting open much more than Ju is, and, and, and neither one of those guys uh, is just sneaking up on someone or surprising people. I mean, every single week you're uh, the, the opposing defense is preparing for those two guys. It's it's probably one of the best receiver tandems in the country, and. And Amara has continued to produce. Uh, he's continued to get open. He doesn't drop many. Um, and, you know, I mean, the catch he made over the middle in between three defenders uh, is a, it, it was a classic example of what he is because it's a, it's a throw that Wilton Spate's going to, it's a throw that can be made, but it's one that he's not going to throw to a young guy. You know, he's not going to throw that to Nate Johnson or Eddie McDoom. And no offense to Nate Johnson or Eddie McDoom, but he knows that he could throw that thing perfectly and the ball is not going to get caught because that, that receiver knows he's going to get hit by three different guys and it's not going to get caught. But with Amara Darbo, he throws it because he knows Amara is going to go up, he's going to hang in, and he's going to catch the football. Uh, and that's the ultimate type of you know, hat tip of trust, I suppose. And, and, and Amara's at his best right now. He's playing his best football of his career, and, uh, and Michigan's certainly enjoying it. You mentioned on Saturday night after the game on the MLive video recap that uh, Jehu Chasson doesn't look like the receiver we saw at the end of last year. Any thoughts on why that is? Yeah, i, I got to think that I have to think that the injury uh, that he spent all year rehabbing has something to do with that. Um, and, I, I, because, and I'm not just saying he's limited by the injury. I'm, I'm just saying i, I got to think that the time he missed with Wilton Spade uh, in the summer and the time he missed in the spring and the time he missed kind of getting that chemistry back, uh, that's what it looks like is off to me. Because, you know, I don't think that he's being limited by, you know, his inability to, to run or, or things of that nature. I, I just, I haven't seen him get open uh, the way that he, that he was at the end of last year when he really clicked with Jake Ruach. 
you know, we saw a fumble the other day from him, which was was, was really surprising. Uh, he's had a few drops, which are also pretty surprising. I think that there was rust there. Uh, and again, again, I keep in mind that last year he didn't really take off uh, until the last four or five games of the season. So, you know, th- there's still time for that, of course. But, um, you know, Darbo's been so much better. But I also look at Chesson and say there's, there's, there should be more in there. Uh, and maybe it'll come uh, in, in, in the closing weeks. Jake Bunt had more targets on Saturday, was a, a bit more involved uh, than he has been in the last couple of weeks. But we also saw Tyrone Wheatley Jr. get some playing time. And, man, is he one big dude, Nick, and looks like he's got the wheels and the hands to go along with it. It was interesting because we wrote all spring, um, you know, from practice we saw in Florida, how impressive he looked. And I, I was starting to get <clears throat> yelled at by some people, so to speak, I guess, uh, you know, why did you hype this guy up so much? We haven't seen him do anything. I think you were off base, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I just said, you know, I mean, he's, you know, give it time, you know, let him get in there and make something happen. And then, you know, boy, like you tell me, I mean, you saw, you see the guy, a 280 pound guy run the way he was running uh, and make a play with the, with his hands uh, and get in the end zone. I mean, that's why he didn't get moved to left tackle. That's why he didn't get moved to defensive line. Um, you know, I mean, just an impressive athlete who still has a long way to go, of course, but, but a guy who looks like he could be a serious weapon for them uh, down the road in his career and just a really smooth football player. So uh, good for him to get off the, you know, get going here and get his first catch and, and get in the end zone. But uh, he's an impressive talent, and, and the better he gets, uh, the better it'll be for Michigan, no question. Well, Davion Smith ran hard as always on Saturday, Nick. Uh, Ty Isaac was his steady self again. But you know, the guy who's looking better and better to me each week is Karan Higdon. And for a guy that's only around 190, he, he runs low and hard. He's got that good vision, and he accelerates very quickly. I'd say his star is on the rise, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, he's a per- I think he's a perfect fit for the system. I think he fits the offense uh, beautifully. Uh, you know, you look at him and, you, and you, again, he's five eight, five nine. He's not too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's two hundred pounds. But uh, what he does do very well is this is a one cut offense. Uh, he knows that uh, when he gets the football, his shoulders are always square. He's always north and south. He's low to the ground, uh, and he has the ability to make you know one sharp or subtle cut in a hole. Uh, without slowing down, without getting himself off kilter, without uh, kind of changing his direction or whatever, but he has the ability to make one subtle cut low to the ground with his shoulders square and, and the defender can't do anything about it, which means he's still moving forward. Uh, and that's why you see him exploding through holes uh, the way he's done so so many times this season. Great body control, uh, just just a really good runner. I, I think that that's the best, the best way I can put it. I mean, he's a really good running back. Uh, he's not terrific at anything but he's very good at a lot of things and i think that that's that's why you'll see him continue to kind of blossom and i think between he and chris evans uh that's a pretty good foundation to to build on you know moving forward you're obviously going to tie isaac again next year you still don't know what those freshmen are going to give you but you know what you've got between those two and that's uh that's a pretty good pretty good duo to lean on uh down the line i think both those guys their best football is ahead of them, and uh, what we've seen so far is, is pretty good stuff from each. Illinois had to go with their third-string guy at quarterback, uh, Jeff George Jr., on Saturday, which is never a good thing when you're facing Michigan's defense. Week after week, Nick, this defense just keeps shutting down teams, both the running and the passing game. It, it's just crazy how good they are right now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere to throw the ball. That's number one, and there's never any time. And, you know, I, I actually thought that Jeff George Jr., you know, you know, bless his heart for standing there and giving it a shot. I actually thought that he did a better job of getting rid of the football 
uh, and at least giving somebody a chance uh, than most teams have. You know, you saw at the end of the first half, I think he was 0 of 8. But, you know, in reality, if they're playing other teams, that's probably 0 of 3 with five sacks because he's getting hit. Every, that's the bigger thing. He's getting hit every time he drops back. Uh, and that's happened every week. You know, every week it's been seven, eight, nine quarterback pressures, seven, eight, nine, ten quarterback hits, you know, no matter how many times it is. And that's why you've seen, I think it's been three or four games where the starting quarterback has been knocked out of the game. You know, there's no time to throw the football. There's no time to let a route develop. And and you're going to have to let a route develop against the secondary because they don't let things get open. You know, you've got Jordan Lewis and Channing Stribling who are playing outstanding football, uh, and it's just, it's just, it's just been constant. And I, you know, I don't know if I've seen one this suffocating uh, up close, a defense like this, in certain terms of the pass game. I think it's down to like 110 yards a game. And you know, Mike, it's week seven. It's not week two, mm-hmm. or week three. I mean, some of these numbers are wild, and it's, and you're more than halfway through the season. So uh, they have been outstanding. They're elite. I think, I think Michigan's defense right now is the best overall unit in the Big Ten, and I think that includes Ohio State's offense and everything else. And I think that's why today, as we sit, you know, they are they are in complete control of their own destiny, uh, and it's it's gonna it's getting harder and harder to pick against Michigan, uh, simply because of the way that defense plays football. Because it's hard to it's hard to envision some of these offenses moving the ball against them, uh, and that's that's the main reason why. Well, the kicking game, Nick, uh, really field goal kicking has been an area of concern with some of the fans the last few weeks, it seems. Uh, Kenny Allen hit a couple on Saturday. I thought he looked good. Other than the Wisconsin game, he's really been just fine. And again, he's carrying that entire kicking load. And I know Jim doesn't exactly love that, but he still must be winning the weekly kicking competition, Nick, or he wouldn't be out there, would he? Yeah, exactly. And I think that something's, it seems like something's still wrong with Quinn Nordine as he again didn't warm up. Uh, on Saturday, he was there dressed on the sidelines, but he didn't do anything. So I would think that, you know, at this point, if he still hurts, then, you know, he's not going to play, which would leave Ryan Tice, uh, who his miss was even worse than anything Kenny had done. So at this point, yeah, none of it is ideal. Um, you know, I said at the beginning of the year, they, they've really missed bringing in an extra punter because if you, if you would have brought a punter in, uh, in your in your class or, or whatever, and then you would have allowed Kenny to just focus on field goals and maybe kickoffs. But it is what it is. You know, Kenny's a fifth year senior. <clears throat> He's a pretty mentally tough kid. I, I'm I'm assuming he took those misses to heart and went to work on them. And yeah, he looked fine, uh, of course, again. But and then I I got to think he's still the best option just because if you if you're trotting a guy out there uh, on the road like in the second half of a really important game. Uh, I would probably want it to be Kenny Allen, even if he's had some struggles other than a true freshman who's never done anything or a walk-on who we don't know anything about. So I think it has to be Kenny Allen at this point. It it certainly looks like that's what's going to happen. And uh, none of it's ideal, but it is what it is. And I think Michigan, I think this is a lesson here that they've got to go find another punter or something this offseason. They've got to find some help because having somebody do all three is not ideal, even if it's a fifth-year guy who's been pretty rock solid the way Kenny Allen has. So, but it'll be him, and uh, and we'll see if he can hang on to it the uh, first year. With us here on our game day segment this week as we uh, recap the Illinois game from over the weekend and get ready for a trip to East Lansing is Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from M Live. All right, let's talk about Saturday's game in East Lansing, Nick. Uh, the Spartans lost their fifth in a row Saturday night to Maryland on yep. the road. What is going on with this Spartan team? Man, I don't know. That's fascinating, I'll tell you that, because it's it's one of those what happened – you know, what happened so quickly type thing. 
five losses in a row, Mike. That is that yeah. is insanity. I mean, that's something that we and I talked earlier about. I watched the end of the Ohio State game and didn't really recognize the Myers team. I have no idea who's running out there and trying to play for Mark Antonio right now. That's they don't look anything like uh, the Michigan State teams that we've gotten used to seeing over the last six, seven, eight years, where Michigan State was hanging its hat on never really making mistakes, while the other team made mistakes. I mean, this is just they're they Michigan State is a litany of errors. Uh, with a coaching staff who looks like they're desperate and they're making errors with a roster who doesn't look very good. And all of those things combined have you, you know, give you exactly what you see is, is a really bad football team right now. And, and one that I'm not sure where their answers are. I haven't watched enough of them to totally diagnose all their issues, but uh, there are no magic buttons there. I don't know. I mean, that's, they remind me, and this is going to sound bad, but they remind me of, uh, just with the way that they look disorganized, the way that they look, no, there's no confidence. They remind me of Brady Hoke's last team in the second half of the season uh, in 2014, where they just they're they're just tail spinning and there are no magic buttons. Uh, the only magic button is massive change. I would assume. So, you know what Mark Antonio will do at the end of the year will be interesting to see. Obviously, he's not going anywhere, but uh, they've got a lot of work to do. And like I said, there's no magic buttons, and, and none of it gets easier to sweep for them. As Michigan has been just a terror on defense. There certainly are no magic buttons. It's uh, past the midway point of the season. But when it comes to this game, Nick, for those of us who've been around a while, we've seen this scenario before. Michigan State not mm-hmm. having a great year, looking like a bad football team. But then the Michigan game rolls around and they are a different team. But to be honest, as you've just said, it is awfully hard to imagine them fixing all of this in five to seven days and being able to compete against this Michigan team. Yeah, because I think that the ultimate the ultimate uh, answer to the game still lies with Michigan in that if Michigan comes out and, and does its job and plays the way it's supposed to play, then none of it will matter. If Michigan comes out and plays football, this is you know my opinion, of course, but if Michigan shows up on Saturday in East Lansing and plays football the way it's played the last seven weeks, uh, focused, uh, the defense is locked in, uh, and they play to their capability, then Michigan State could have the best game it plays all season by a mile, and Michigan will still win the game because I think Michigan's a better football team. I thought Michigan was a better football team at the beginning of the year in terms of talent. If you go up and down the list uh, with the answers, uh, Michigan has so many more of them. So the only scenario that could result in a in Michigan losing a game would be, in my opinion, Michigan State playing beyond its best football game of the year and then Michigan playing so much worse than we've seen all year to a point where they're making five or six brutal mistakes and Michigan State has a chance to capitalize on all of them. I just I don't know how Michigan State's going to move the ball, uh, and I think I got to think that even if Michigan's offense runs into some trouble, which I don't think it will, but if the, if that were to happen, I still don't know how Michigan State moves the football because I think Michigan's defense is still so much better than anything they can than anything they they've been able to handle this year. Uh, it's a bad matchup for the Spartans in every way, and it's a good matchup in every way for Michigan. I look at it a lot like I did when we did the scout on Michigan-Penn State, where it's a bad matchup for Penn State. It's a really good matchup for Michigan. Everything Michigan State does bad, Michigan State cap- or Michigan capitalizes on. So uh, that's how I look at it. I mean, it, I guess anything could happen in college football, but uh, it would take one hell of a crazy day <laughs> in my mind for this to go. Anything but what the spread says in, in Michigan coming out on top. Oh, yeah, you see the spread. It's 18 points uh, as of today. But, you know, I'm a worry wart. And going back to what sure, we talked sure, yeah. to at the top of the show, Nick, Saturday night, Ohio State played a Penn State team. And if you watch that game, Penn State had no business being in that game, but they let them hang around, made the two special teams blunders. 
And I guess what I'm trying to get at is Ohio State had more than enough opportunities to put them away, and they didn't. Michigan yep. has got to put the pedal to the metal against these guys in a rivalry game in that atmosphere because if they don't, just think, if this game is close heading into the fourth quarter, you just don't know what can happen. Yeah, that's abs- you're absolutely right. You know, that's, that's a great point in that it can't, it can't be a situation where you're screwing around uh, and all of a sudden in the second half it's only a two-score game or whatever it may be, exactly like you, say, like you saw up there in Happy Valley. Uh, you know they've got to come out and, and and drop them from from the from the minute minute go. And I think that the the reason why again I don't know if I see that being a huge issue is because all of this happens and all of this we've just talked about and we haven't even mentioned the fact that they this team got its gut ripped out by Michigan State and had to stand there and watch that happen last year at the at the end of that game. I think that there's so much extra motivation for Michigan in this game that that a letdown or a or a snooze fest it just seems impossible. And on top of that, they're so much better than Michigan State. So, of course, you can't let it like, you can't let it linger, and you can't let them hang in the game. And you've got to come out and just storm them early. But I think that that's what's I think that's what you're going to see. I think that you're going to see a really hungry football team go up there with the intent on not just winning the game, but winning it by a wide margin. If that makes any sense, I think that they've had enough of the Michigan State stuff. I think a lot of Michigan fans would probably agree. Uh, and I think that they take sense that this is an opportunity to really go out there and leave their mark on this game, and I think that's what they're going to try and do. Well, you brought up last year, and uh, that's... <laughs> yeah, I apologize. <laughs> are, we all try to forget that. we uh frozen in time for me uh, standing there watching that, but do you really think a year later that that is still a big motivating factor for the players? I, I, I don't think it's a huge thing. Um, I think... More of the motivation, I think that, you know, it's kind of the cherry on top, I guess, if that makes any sense, because I think the bigger motivation for the seniors, at least from what we heard Saturday, was, you know, they said, look, that that game, you know, it stung them. It was one that they had a hard time processing, of course, uh, and everything else uh, didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, But, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, they said, you know, Tucker Charlton said, you know, he's like, I've never beat them. We've lost every time we've played Michigan State. You know, we had they, they had two games up there in East Lansing that were embarrassing. Uh, and I think that the greater motivation is that this is their last shot at Michigan State. Uh, this is their last shot to play in Spartan Stadium, and this is their last shot to to make their mark on that rivalry. And I think that while the the last second, whatever, from last season probably still stings a bit, the greater sting is the fact that they've had to sit there and listen to Michigan State talk the talk and do everything else for the last three years, and they had no answer for them. And I think at this point, the motivation is more than more of you know, this is our chance to go out there and change some of that. You know, Jordan Lewis had, had the best quote, I thought, on the whole thing, as he usually does. You know, he'd said that all all he's ever known is a very good Michigan State football team uh, in his life, uh, which, if you think about it, makes sense. And he said, mm-hmm. all I've ever known is a great Michigan State football team. Uh, I know people are waiting for us to, to kind of turn the tide in this. And he said, well, why not do it now? This is our last shot. So that's what we're focused on, and that's what's motivating them. So I think that that's the bigger part of it, the bigger picture there, is the motivating factor. I mean, there should be no shortage of motivation for Michigan in this game. Uh, it's one they have to win. It's one they have to win uh, without looking back. And it's one of those games where, you know, to keep going forward, not just this season, but as a program, you got to win the football game and you got to take care of your business and do it when you can. Well, final thought then, uh, heading into this weekend, Nick, uh, if Michigan wins on Saturday, we're assuming, assuming, hoping, uh, sure. uh, they win on Saturday. So they roll into November at 8-0. Uh, do you see any way this team is not 11 and 0 heading down to Columbus for the finale? Yeah, I think the only way that happens um, 
as we kind of talked about earlier, the the only way at this point that's going to happen is if Michigan beats itself. You know, if if they if they refuse to show up for a game, if they if massive injuries happen or something crazy like that that they can't control, uh, or they or they just refuse to you know get up and play a football game at one point before they play Ohio State because they're like this game this week. The reality is, uh, you know, Michigan's number two in the country for a reason. You know, I mean, they're they're very good and uh, they're better than everybody else on their schedule until until Ohio State. You know, the, the difference in you know me saying that now as opposed to maybe some years ago would be, you know, you're, there's nothing else that I need to wait to see on before declaring them as a really really good football team because I, they're all seniors and we've seen them all play. We've seen them all be in all these situations. Um, and I think that, that the defense is as advertised. I really do. I think it's the best in the I think it's the best in the country. I think it's right up there with Alabama. And I think it's enough to carry them through even rough days. So unless they're gonna beat themselves, which is always possible in college football, uh, I would I would assume they're gonna be eleven and zero going into Columbus and then we're gonna see what happens. But uh, still got some, some, some stuff to improve on, I'm sure, and you've still got some time to get through and you gotta go play the game. So uh, that's the most important thing right now for Michigan. Indeed, and starting this Saturday in East Lansing, another big test, and we shall see. With us here on our game day segment as we uh, get ready for the trip to East Lansing on Saturday has been Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from Live. Nick, always a pleasure having you on with us, and we'll get you back on later in the season. All right, Mike, sounds good. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our game day edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, we'll do an injury update on Thursday's show as we'll have better information at that time. Chris Evans, though, the only uh, news we've had in the Monday presser, Coach Harbaugh said he suffered a concussion on Saturday. And uh, when asked if he was going to play this week, Jim just said, we'll see. So we'll have more on that, hopefully more, on Thursday. On our Thursday show, our guest will be Will Teeman from the Spartan Sports Network. So make sure you join us for that. Thanks again to Nick Baumgartner from MLive for being our guest today. FireFan is the name of the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about for weeks now. Soon it will be available in the Google Play and iTunes stores. When you play FireFan, you will no longer be a spectator, but an active participant with your favorite team. This game puts you right in the action. There is no prep, just pick it up and play. Compete against other fans and earn some great prizes too. For more information or early sign-up, email playitfirst at yahoo.com. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com. Find out now why this game will be all the rage in just a few weeks. Our free show app is available in the Google Play and iTunes stores, and we are now on the team at iHeartRadio. So get one of those free apps and make sure you're with us each week. It's going to be an exciting November, and we have some great guests lined up so you won't want to miss a show. That will do it for our game day edition. I'll see you back here on Thursday for a visit with Will Teeman from the Spartan Sports Network. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue.
Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!